got someone special in the service today. It's his first time to victory. It's, it's my new son, Benaiah David Doherty. I'm going to invite my wife, Ashley, and Liam, and Benaiah. Come on, Liam. Come on, buddy. This is our family, and uh, we are so grateful to be able to raise our kids and family in a church that's awesome. This is little Benaya. Benaya, you want to say anything? No, not yet. Liam? <laughs> say hi. No? Okay. Anyways, thank you guys for welcoming these little guys. Thanks for uh, loving on us and, and little Benaya. We love this church. You guys are so amazing. We just wanted to show you Benaya. Some people have been asking, you know, is there he's waving. <laughs> Uh, some people have been asking, what does Benaiah look like? So this is him, and uh, this is our family. We love you guys. I'm going to let these guys walk back down the stage. Why don't we all stand on our feet, grab your Bible or your phone Bible, if you got a Bible app on your phone. We're going to go to Mark chapter 2. Come on, somebody. Mark chapter 2. Hey, buddy. You want a tag team? <laughs> all right. Can somebody grab this little guy? Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to wait till they walk off because it's almost like all of our attention will be on the babies. They are like, the, they are awesome. I love watching little Liam, Benaiah. And uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 1, this is what it says. It says, after a few days, Jesus came back to Capernaum again. Now, I, I love that right there, that Jesus would go back to a place that he had already been before. Why? because there were still more people to reach. Jesus wasn't just a in and out kind of guy. He would go back to that city and pour in. Did you know it's our 13th time as a church to go back to Dominican Republic this summer. We're going next week to share the gospel. Why? Because there's still more people to reach in those places. Jesus went back to Capernaum and it was heard that he was in the house. Who's in the house? Who's in the house? How many of you guys remember the Carmen song? Who's in the house? JC? Half of us in this room? Awesome. I know who grew up with Carmen. Now, listen, Carmen was awesome. That song was incredible. But it says Jesus was in the house. And because Jesus was in the house, freedom was in the house. Healing was in the house. Salvation was in the house. I got news for you today. Jesus is in the house. And that's all you need to know. It ain't about me. It ain't about the songs we sing or who's on the stage. Jesus is in the house. And when Jesus was in the house, immediately a crowd gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive anyone else you know it's amazing how Jesus he he would go into a place and all these people would crowd around him and and Jesus still knew there were people outside the house that needed to get in there's still people today that are looking to get into this house and Jesus is counting on you to help bring them in to make room somebody say make room he says there was no longer room to receive uh, anyone else because it was packed out. Even around the door uh, into the house, there was a crowd outside. And so Jesus preached the word to them. This morning, I'm not going to preach my opinion. I'm not going to preach the government's rulings. I'm not going to preach on what you heard from CNN or Fox News. I'm going to preach the word of God. This thing is, is still working. This thing changes lives. This thing brings hope. It brings truth. It brings power. It brings transformation. And so this morning, we're about to have an encounter with the man of the house. Come on, somebody. Jesus, this morning, 
Why don't we say a confession? If you're new to Victory, I invite you to just say this with me. We're going to put it on the screen. We welcome all of our first-time guests. It's just a declaration of faith, and we're going to say it on the count of three. One, two, three. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. God, we thank you for victory, mercy, grace, truth, compassion. Lord, let us leave today refreshed, revived, renewed. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you just uh, blow a fresh wind in this room so we all feel a little bit cooler in Jesus' name. God, I thank you, Lord, that today we would also walk out different than the way we came in. God, with more joy, more peace, more hope, more faith, and God, more encouragement for the calling you have on each of our lives. Everyone here is valuable, God. Everyone here has a purpose, a destiny. No matter how young or how old or what their past is, you said today, God, there is a calling on every person in this room, Lord, to walk in your purpose for their life, to bring glory to you. Let us do it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. You can give someone a high five as you're being seated. Come on. You know, I was thinking about in this story how Jesus showed up in this town, in this house, and the word spread. The word got around that Jesus was in the house. Jesus was here. He was going to do something amazing. And there was a group of guys who were part of that community that heard Jesus was in the house. And instead of just going there themselves, they decided, we need to bring a friend with us. There's someone who needs what this guy has. There's someone who needs the power that's connected to this man's message. There's someone who needs the salvation, the healing, the freedom. And so it says in verse 3 that these four guys, um, when they heard about Jesus, they got a friend who was paralyzed and they carried him on a bed. When they could not come near Jesus because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where Jesus was. Come on, we need some roof raisers. We need some, uh, some people who are unconventional about bringing their friends to Jesus, finding creative ways to do it. It says they dug a hole through the roof. They got dirty. They got messy. Whatever it takes to get this guy to Jesus. And, and when they lowered him down... Uh, through the roof, they laid him right in front of Jesus. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. You know, four verses there, it talks about they, they. In fact, let's look at it again. Verse 3, when they came to him, bringing a man who was paralyzed, Carried by these four men, they could not come near him because of the crowd. So they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, they let him down. And Jesus saw their faith. There's something about the right they in your life. You know, there's, there's a right they and a wrong they. The right they brings you closer to Jesus. The wrong they pulls you further away from Jesus. The right they, they'll find a way. They'll make a way to get you towards your miracle. The wrong they, they'll do whatever it takes to pull you away from your miracle. The wrong they, they want to uh, hold you back from your miracle. They want to drag you down. They want you to settle right where you're at. But the right they, they're not into you settling. They're into you becoming all you're created to be. This morning, I want to talk to you about the right they. Everybody say, the right they. The right they, T-H-E-Y. It's, it's the group in your life. It's the friends in your life, the church in your life, the community in your life 
This call to bring you closer to your destiny, closer to your miracle, closer to the man, the woman, the marriage, the family that God's called you to have. You got to have the right day in order to become the right person. See, the truth is, we in this church, we're better together. Look at the person next to you say, we're better together. This month, we're talking about how we are better together. In fact, you might just need to fan your neighbor this morning just to help them out to not sweat too much. During, I'm looking around the room. You guys are fanning each other. This is like old church right here. Come on. They didn't have, you know, we're blessed in America to have a great building with nice chairs. We can, we, once a year, we can pull out our, our bulletins and use them as a fan. I think we'll be okay. But see, here's the thing I realized is that this day, they were concerned about someone beyond themselves. They were concerned about someone else who needed Jesus, who needed what they had. They weren't there to pick on anybody. They were actually there to help some people. We need more helpers and less haters. We need more healers and less accusers. There was a right day that day in the house, and there was a wrong they. Did you know right when Jesus saw their faith, he also noticed another they that was in the room? Right when Jesus saw this they, the right they, that had brought someone to be healed, he noticed another they that wasn't too happy about it. Verse 6, watch what happens. It says, right when Jesus forgave the son, the man, some of the Pharisees were sitting nearby and started reasoning in their hearts. Who does this man think he is, blaspheming like this? No one can forgive sins but God alone. See, the Pharisees make up the wrong they. This morning, there's kind of two things I want you to get. I want you to get how, how to get the right they into your life, and I also want you to get how to be the right they for somebody else. Because the truth is, we can all unintentionally shift into being the wrong they. Did you know you can be the wrong they and be in the right house? The wrong they, they were close to Jesus, but they weren't walking like Jesus walked. They were listening to Jesus, but they weren't really hearing the message. They were around Jesus, but they weren't like Jesus. It's, it's wild how in that house, there were two groups of people. There was the right day and the wrong day. The right day were bringing people to Jesus. The wrong day were looking for ways to trap Jesus, trying to find something to get offended at, trying to find something to kind of push people away. From. See, the wrong day, they push people out of the house. The right day bring people into the house. This is such an important message this summer. I feel like right now we're in a time in our nation where so many people are wondering what to do. So many people in the church are trying to figure out how do I respond to people who are different than me, people who, who sin different than I sin, people who look different than I look, people who act differently. How am I supposed to respond to people who lash out at me at work or on Facebook? And here's the thing. Jesus notes these four guys, this group of they, in contrast to the Pharisees. He notes that these guys had something different. It wasn't how good they could argue on Facebook. It wasn't how good they could hermeneutically, theologically uh, uh, prove a point. It was how good they could love. It was how good they could bring people who were hurting to Jesus. It wasn't how good they could point the finger or prove their argument. It was how good they could bring people to Jesus. Jesus looks at the Pharisees who were accusing him, and he says he perceived in his spirit that they were arguing with him. They were angry at him. And he says, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier for me to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or arise, take up your bed and walk. But so that you would know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you.
rise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately the man rose up, took his bed and went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. You ain't seen nothing yet, church. Jesus said, this church, these disciples, they're gonna do even greater works than Jesus did. I believe we're gonna see even greater uh, movements of God in our days ahead than we've seen in the past. But here's the key. Jesus was proving a point. This is a story for the church in America today. How do we respond to people who are so far from God, who aren't in the house, who need Jesus? What do we do? We can, we can be like the Pharisees. We can be like the scribes in the house trying to figure out, you know, how bad that person sinned, what made them sick, what made them the way they are, or we can be like the four friends. See, the Pharisees make up three types of friends that you don't want to spend a lot of time with, and you definitely don't want to become this type of a friend. Who you spend time with rubs off on you, and you can become like them. The first type of the wrong day is the drainers. Anybody got any drainers in your life? Don't raise their hand if they're sitting next to you. Drainers are always drawing from you and never depositing in you. Drainers are constantly on the take and rarely on the give. They are selfish. They are a here I am mentality. Drainers, it's all about me. They will drain you. They will pull the energy out of you. Uh, somebody called them vampires. They suck the life out of you. But here's the thing. When you're a drainer, you're never living the gospel out because the gospel is not just about being a consumer. It's about being a contributor too. It's not just about feed me, feed me, feed me, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's about you've blessed me to be a blessing. Lord, you've poured into me so I can pour into others. The Pharisees, they would drain Jesus of his energy. They would drain him and they would drain. Religion does that. Religion sucks the life out of a relationship with God. Religion makes it all about uh, uh, tradition and what I can get and this isn't uh, the way that I would want it and it's about me it's selfish mentality the, the second type of the wrong day are complainers the drainers and then the complainers complainers they never encourage they always tell you what you do wrong and never tell you what you do right the complainers believe that the world is doomed the church is doomed and you're doomed too <laughs> There is no happy ending for anybody when you're with a complainer. A complainer constantly sees the negative in this world, in the church, in their marriage, in their family, in your life, in their job, in everything. And here's the deal. Complainers can be in the house, be near Jesus, but be missing the point of the gospel. Because the gospel is not about everybody's doomed and gloom and we're never going to have a good ending and our best days are behind us and it's all downhill from here. It's going to be terrible. The gospel is our best days await us, whether it's here or in eternity. I, uh, to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's not about I, 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 we're never going to experience any hope again. We're never going to experience healing. God still has great things in store for the church in this hour. Did you know the complainers, they held Joshua and Caleb back from getting into Jericho? Joshua and Caleb said, our best days are in front of us. We can win this fight. And the complainer said, no, we're not good enough. Everything in front of us is bad. Everything here is bad. Everything behind us is bad. We might as well just settle right here. Let's just die in the desert. And so they did. And the third group of friends, the wrong day, are the restrainers. I like all the rhymes here. Drainers, complainers, restrainers. The Pharisees make up a group called the restrainers because they hold you back from your miracle. 
Restrainers hold you back from your destiny. They hold you back from becoming who God's called you to be. To restrain is to limit the potential on something or someone. To restrain yourself. Did you know when you hang around certain people, not everyone you hang around with makes you better together. Some makes you worse together. <laughs> when you're with that group, you get worse. You start gossiping because they gossip. You start slandering people because they're slandering. You start getting into drugs and drinking and partying because they're into all of that. You start uh, losing your standards because they... See, not everyone you hang with makes you better together. You got to choose the right day to spend your time with. If you spend all your time with restrainers, it's going to limit the potential of you becoming who God's called you to be. But in order to get the right day, it starts with you being the right day for somebody else. Proverbs 18 verse 24 says, uh, uh, to have friends, you must yourself be friendly. To have the right friends in your life, you have to be the right friend for somebody else. In order to break off the wrong day, you have to look at the right day. Imagine those four guys who were carrying the bed of that paralyzed man. We don't know where they met him. All we know is that they picked him up at some point in this story. These four guys were trying to find a way to get in the house. They were walking around the house, and they saw it was packed. It was packed out, and so they just kept walking. They kept looking. They didn't want to give up, and it, and it probably looked like something like this. And they, and they hoisted him up on their shoulders a little bit more. There you go. And they carried him, and they, they began to look. And in the olden days, when they got around the house, there was a stairwell right beside the house. And so they would come around the side stairwell. And they would walk up on top, and they would dig a hole through the roof. And we're not going to do that today because that would be an expensive illustration. But basically, <laughs> they brought him to Jesus. They lowered him down, and they set him at the feet of Jesus. These four friends, would you guys stay up here, y'all? Give these guys a big hand. These guys are awesome. Somebody said, Paul, you use way too many illustrations in your sermon. I said, well, I got to keep everybody awake for 30 minutes. So give me a break now. I like illustrations. But see, here's, here's the point. Um, <laughs> these four friends, can you guys lift him up again? These four friends each took a corner of the bed. They each were holding one side. I want you to just get uh, as close to this corner and uh, as close to that corner, Alex, as you can. Imagine if one of the friends said, y'all don't need me. I'm out. I got things to do. I'm busy. Alex, just walk off for a second. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? We don't want to hurt this guy. He's already paralyzed. We got to help him. <laughs> Lift him up. Put him back on the bed. <laughs> now, each person take a corner. Nobody stop, nobody leave your post. But see, each one was holding a corner. The thing I love about these four guys is it was their faith, Jesus said, that made this man healed. Did you notice that? In verse 5, Jesus said it was their faith. The right they has faith for you to have a miracle in your life. Victory, we are called to be the right they in this community for people to be healed, set free, and delivered. We're not called to be the people who push people out of the house. We're called to be the people who bring people into the house. These guys, they, they heard Jesus was there. We got to get our friend to Jesus. Each one took a corner. We don't know the names of the guys, but this morning I'd like to just take a guess at what their names might have been. I think one of their names was Faith. Faith. Everybody say Faith. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Someone was holding that bed saying, Jesus can heal you. Jesus can heal you. Just wait till we get to the house. Your miracle's on the way. I believe God's going to do a miracle. Someone was speaking faith in that group. As a church, we're called to be faith people, not fear people, not complaining people, not negative people, not discouraging people, not people saying, your miracle already passed, you missed your opportunity, it's over for you, you're doomed and gloomed. No, we're to be the faith people that rise up and say, let's just go to Jesus. There's power, there's power through his message for you to be healed and transformed. Faith pushes past This is what I wrote down here earlier. Faith doesn't stop at the walls of Jericho. Faith doesn't stop at the Red Sea. Faith holds on to hope when things seem hopeless. Faith finds a way when there seems to be no way, even if it has to dig a hole through the roof. Faith perseveres. Here's the thing I love about people of faith. When you're a person of faith, you're faithful. Did you catch that? When you're a person of faith, you're faithful. In other words, you're not going to leave in the middle of the process. You're not going to leave when it becomes inconvenient for you to help somebody. I'm too busy right now. I can't do this. Hey, it's a closed door. See, it's, it's all packed out. Let's just stop here. No, faith says, no, 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 no. This isn't a closed door. This is one more reason the devil's trying to stop us from helping this person to get healed, transformed. We're going to have to find a way through the roof. Faith keeps on going through the process. Give these guys a big hand. You can set him down. Brandon, stay up here with me. You guys can go back to your seat. I'm going to use this guy in the rest of the illustration. He's just going to take a nap up here for a moment. (laughs) Faith. The right they will bring you closer to Jesus because their faith is not in what they can do. Their faith is in what Jesus can do. Their faith is in what God plans to do in their life. See, all of us need a right they and all of us need to be the right they for somebody else. Somebody needs your faith in their life. Someone is surrounded in a toxic environment with fear, anxiety, stress, discouragement. They're waiting for someone from victory. We are a church of faith. That's one thing I love about this church. We are so faith people, and we're faithful. We're going to rise up with faith and say, God can do a miracle. God can heal you. God can heal you. He can set you free from that addiction. God has a plan for your life. You're not going to stay in that condition. The thing about this guy was he was born in that condition. It says that that people accused him that it was either him or his parents who had gotten into sin. Jesus doesn't address the sickness first. He addresses the sin first in his life. Verse 6, he says, your sins are forgiven. That's why sometimes when when we hear as a church, if someone says, I was born this way, we shouldn't say, "Uh, no, you weren't. We should say, perfect. There were lots of people in the Bible that were like that, and they were perfect candidates for Jesus to heal. They were perfect candidates for Jesus to set free. They were perfect candidates to bring into the house. Because faith doesn't stop when someone says, this is, this is my block. This is, I can't get past this point. Number two, the other corner that someone was holding was compassion. Compassion is the ability to see people through the eyes of Jesus. It, it walks through the eyes of love. It carries a spirit of mercy, not judgment. Billy Graham said, it's God's job to judge, the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and my job to love. See, the world is not going to Repent because you proved them wrong on Facebook. (laughs) The world is not going to repent because you argued back and forth 
through comment threads on YouTube to try and prove that they don't know what they're talking about. The world is going to repent because the kindness of God draws them to repentance. Did you know the kindness of God is displayed through the church of Jesus Christ? Did you know that Jesus physically left this earth because he trusted the church to carry his heartbeat into the world? Did you know that the heartbeat of Jesus is love? Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor, God? It's everyone. Who's my neighbor? Everyone. It's the person who came into the room different than you. See, this guy came in differently than the Pharisees. Pharisees walked through the front door. They probably got there a little bit early. They were close to Jesus. This guy came in a little bit late. He, there was no room in the back. So he had to come in a different way. He came through the roof. Some of us in this room, we've come in maybe with no sin at all. Maybe we came in with pride. Maybe we came in with self-righteousness that we need to be healed of. But someone came in this room today Maybe with an addiction to pornography or maybe going through an adultery or, or going through getting into sin. Or maybe someone today is, is uh, struggling with homosexuality. But just because someone comes in different than you doesn't mean they don't belong in the house. Just because someone's walking through something that you didn't walk through doesn't mean there's no room for them in the house. This is a church that brings all people in. We're not just a church for found people. We're a church for lost people. We're a church for people of all creeds, colors, whether you're white or black, gay or straight, Republican or Democrat, we're going to love you in this church. We're going to draw you unto God. We won't stop preaching the Bible. We're not going to preach what the White House preaches. We're going to preach the Bible, but we're going to show you the love of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus. He was moved with compassion. Compassion opened the door for everyone to come in the house. Just because you sin differently than I sinned doesn't mean you don't belong in the house. You're a perfect candidate for this house. These guys knew this man just needs to get to Jesus. If he can get to Jesus, he can experience his healing. He can experience his freedom. We as a church right now, we've got to get past the politically controversial climate of the day, and we've got to see people through the eyes of compassion that they are just one more person to bring to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. Let me just show you the love of God. Here's the thing I love, that these four friends, they didn't force this guy to change before he got in the house. They brought him as he was. Compassion invites people to belong before they believe. Compassion invites people to come to Jesus before they become just like Jesus. I'm so glad my parents didn't kick me out of the church when I was acting all kinds of crazy ways as a kid. I'm so glad they didn't say, you're not welcome here, Paul. You're too self-righteous. You're too much of a Pharisee. Stay outside. They invited the Pharisees in and the sinners in. They said, everybody's welcome. See, we can become judgmental towards judgmental people. We can become angry at religious people, and religious people can become angry at sinners, and we've got to put it all down and say, let's just come to Jesus. Let's just bring people to Jesus. Let's just lift up the name of Jesus. Let's just preach the word of God and let Jesus do the transformation. Jesus is able to do it. These four guys, they picked him up. They carried him. They carried him to Jesus. This morning, Jesus is drawing our hearts. He's, he's saying, who can you carry to Jesus? See, compassion 
lives with, with a, a, an open heart towards everyone. When I was living in Maryland for three, three months, I was looking for a home church, and I went to this church um, called Emmanuel. It was in Silver Spring, Maryland, and I was, I was trying to connect, but I wasn't connecting with anyone. I was so focused on me, I had a here-I-am mentality. And I was preaching this on Wednesday night, but I just got to say it this morning, too, because some of y'all weren't there. Here I am means who's going to invite me after church to eat? Who's going to invite me to sit beside them? Who's going to reach out to me? Who's going to notice me? Who's going to compliment me? Who's going to invite me to their connect group? Here I am. Here I am. And nobody was doing that. I felt so lonely. I felt so disconnected. I went to two other churches, and the same thing happened. And then I went back to the other church that Emmanuel Church, and I just sat in the back. I would sit by myself two, three Sundays in a row, just sitting there hoping someone was going to reach out to me. Here I am, here I am. And you know what God began to do in my heart? Well, for one, I would call my parents every day because I just missed victory. It made me really like victory. But then I also started realizing how many people at victory walk through the same thing. How many people are walking through this? And what God started to do, he said, Paul, I want you to stop being a here I am person and start being a there you are person. I want you to stop waiting for people to come to you and start being the one that goes to people. See, pride waits. Love initiates. Pride waits for you to come to me, for you to apologize to me, for you to do the right thing to me. But love does the right thing even in response to someone who's done something mean. Love steps out and walks in forgiveness even before the apology is invited. Love does those things. And so I started becoming a there you are person. I started realizing in the gospel, Jesus was a there you are person. His whole life message was compassion. He was drawn through compassion to see people, see the need and meet it, see the hurt and heal it. That's what he would do. He would see each person with value. And so this one day I was in the church and this man was mopping the floor. He was 64. He was a different race than me. And God said, there you are. I want you to go reach out to that man. So I walked over to him. I said, hey, I'm Paul. He said, hey, I'm John Thompson. And I said, would you be my friend? Because <laughs> I don't really have any friends here. Yeah, of course I'll be your friend. That day a friendship started between me and John. That whole summer for the next nine weeks John would text, he would encourage me, I would go to church, we would sit by each other at times, we would oftentimes uh, just have a, a lunch or a breakfast together, and I had a friendship with someone who was 45 years older than me at that time, I was 19, he was 45 years older than me, he was a, a different race than I was, but see, compassion doesn't have any filters of who you can love or who you can be friends with, compassion reaches across the row, someone might be older than you, they might be a different political party than you, they might be a different color than you, but see the love of God, it draws you to show compassion on all people. And the church needs that right now. The world will know that we are believers because of our because of our ability to argue, because of our differences, because of our love. Jesus said, This is the commandment. The world will know you by the way you love each other and love the world. Number three, the third corner that was being held, and worship team, I want you to come up as I get ready to close, is encouragement. Encouragement is hope. It's speaking life into the people around you. It's giving them words of hope. You've got what it takes. You're a champion. Your best days. Someone was holding that bed 
just encouraging him, just speaking life. Hey, I know you're feeling down right now. I know you're in this current condition, but you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. I promise you this is not the end. See, I want to be the pastor in your life that just keeps encouraging you. I'm going to keep encouraging you. might be just tired, sick of all the encouragement I bring to you, but I'm going to keep encouraging you because there's something about encouragement that just reminds you your best days are still in front of you. God's not finished with you yet. The word of God, the gospel is encouragement to your life. It's the good news. The gospel is not the bad news. It's the good news. We've got to be encouragers in people's lives. So many people are in an environment where they don't hear encouragement. I don't know when the last time was that you heard an encouraging word to you personally. Maybe all you hear is you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not strong enough. You don't work hard enough. You show up late, you leave early, you do all these things wrong. You don't talk about this enough. You do talk about this too much. <laughs> Maybe all you hear is just discouraging words. And that's why I think it's so important that the right day, they're going to speak life into you. They're not going to remind you of all your failures. Some people feel like they've been placed on the earth to just straighten everybody out. <laughs> Paul, God called me to be the straightened out person. I'm called to straighten everybody out. No, you're not. You're called to show them the love of Jesus. But Paul, I just, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand my son's sin. I don't get his lifestyle. It drives me crazy. I'm angry. I want to separate myself from him. I don't, I'm disgusted by this person. What would Jesus do? This last week I was riding my bike and uh, I was going down the Riverside Trail and I passed by the River Casino and there was a guy sitting out there and he was uh, working and reading a magazine and I rode right past him and Liam was in the back in the little baby car seat thing and God said, turn around and go speak life to that guy. Turn around and go speak life into that guy. This happens on a regular occurrence where God will just stop me in my tracks and have me turn around to go and speak life to somebody. So I did. This was about four days ago. I just turned around, rode my bike back towards him. It was a little bit inconvenient because I didn't have that much time. I was on a, a, a short time. It was around 5.30. had to get back for dinner. And so I was trying to hurry. But I turned around. And I just said, sir, God told me to just tell you your best days are not behind you. They're in front of you. He's not finished with you yet. You're going to make it. I don't know what you're walking through, but I believe that God's with you. He's going to help you. He's going to strengthen you. He began to tear up, you know, and he said, would you pray for me? I just had a baby. Would you pray for my baby? So I did. I don't know if he's here at church. You he might be here. We talked about coming to victory. But I, I realized this. If the encourager would have dropped the mat, the guy would have fallen off. I love how Jesus encompasses all four. He's faith. He's compassion. He's encouragement. And the fourth one is this, power. Jesus is power. He is the power of God for you to change, for you to be healed, for you to be transformed. Power. Romans 1.17 says this salvation is power for those who believe. It is power. It's the demonstration of the gospel. Jesus doesn't just say a word. He shows the word. He doesn't just say healing. He shows healing. Jesus brings power to your life. And today, God, God wants to heal you.
God wants to restore your mind. He wants to set you free of anger towards people who are different than you. He wants to show you how to love people who have different opinions. Love doesn't mean you agree on everything that someone does. Love just means I'm going to still love you even though I disagree with that lifestyle, with that choice. The Word of God gives us the power to love. My love for you trumps my need for your approval for you to like everything that I uh, agree with in your life. Does that make sense? That I love you too much to agree with choices you're making in your life that are detrimental to God's destiny for you. And so I love you so much, I'm going to stay beside you, I'm going to reach out to you, but I'm not going to agree on every choice you make that's contrary to God's word. This is what love does, but it gives you power. It gives you power. I was in Mexico about seven years ago, and we were ministering in the same place where my mom was, and this girl had come that night. And she was like the guy. She was lame. She came in, uh, not on a mat, but in a wheelchair. She couldn't get to Jesus. She needed some people to help push her. It wasn't, uh, in fact, she couldn't even move her arms. She couldn't, her body was basically paralyzed. Her, her, H2, she had fallen off a wall. Her body was in complete paralyzation. And so people pushed her to the front. They were pushing through the crowd. This is what Jesus first said to the man. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Pharisees get upset. Jesus says, okay, okay, all right. Just to prove that I'm the son of God, I'm going to say the other part too. Rise up and walk. Be healed, young man of God. And at that moment, the man rose up from his bed. And Jesus said, I want you to pick up your mat and you walk out and share your testimony. The mat is your testimony. The mat is your message. The mat is your story. It's your proof that I'm not who I used to be. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Once I was lame, but now I can walk, I can leap, I can dance. Look what the Lord has done for me. There's some people in this room. You've got a mat to talk about. You've got a story to tell. Don't you stop telling it. Somebody who's walked through the same paralyzation that you walked through, who's in it right now, they need to know that you got up from it. You got out of that pornography. You got out of that homosexuality. You got through that divorce. You overcame that drug addiction. You got through that alcohol problem. You got past that abuse issue. You got through all that junk that happened between you and your dad, the unforgiveness. You got up and you're carrying a mat. Someone needs to know they can get up too, that their sins can be forgiven too, that there's healing in the house today. There's freedom in the house today. I can't tell you what Jesus has done for me. It's amazing because I was that Pharisee in the room. I was that self-righteous person. I was the one who would judge sinners. God did a work in my heart. He opened my eyes to see how how hypocritical I was because God sees all sinners the same he sees those who sin with hypocrisy and pharisaical attitudes just like he would see someone who sins in a sexual sin it's it's all sin sin certain sins have different consequences different effects but Jesus says all sinners are invited into the house Every, there's room for you. We'll cut a hole through the roof just to get you to Jesus. We as a church have to be that group that's passionately bringing people to Jesus. And listen, church doesn't just happen inside the walls. It happens outside the walls too. You've got power in your workplace to lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. When that girl came to the altar, my dad wasn't able to get down to her to pray for her. 
And so he said, Paul, would you walk around that side? I want you to go through the crowd and pray for her. And I was, at that time, I was young. I wasn't a pastor yet. And so I walked over and I laid my hands on this girl in the wheelchair. And she began to cry. And we just began to speak life and hope and power. The power of God to heal you. The power of God. It's not me. It's the power of God flowing through me. That day, that girl got up from the wheelchair and she started walking. And she started walking, and then she started walking normal. And that day she got up on the stage and she shared her testimony. I want you to stand on your feet this morning. The power of God is here. The right day will find a way to get you to Jesus. And today God's calling you to be the right day for somebody else. To switch from being a here I am person to being a there you are person. To switch from being a consumer to to only consuming, to being a contributor. Lord, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Lord, help me to reach out to those who are different than me, those who look different than me, who believe different than me, who came into the house different than me, Lord, who've sinned different than me. Lord, help me, Jesus, to bring people to you.